thank you so much for having me. Again, my name is Bethany McIntosh, and I have been married for about 17 and a half years to my husband, Philip, who is the pastor at Horizon Christian Fellowship down in San Diego. And um, we have three awesome kids. Um, our oldest is 15 and a half, and he is learning how to drive. And he's like this big and hairy. And... Um, <laughs> And uh, just just this past week on Facebook, you know how they give us uh, those memories, or on this day a million years ago, um, when he was six years old, he came to me, and I remember exactly, you know, him and his drama. He came to me, he's like, I don't think my fish believes in Jesus, <laughs> right? And you're like, okay, here we go. And um, and he said, John three sixteen says, if you do, you won't perish. And look, he's perished. So. He was quite, quite uh, the drama person, but you know he had this knowledge of scripture at, at six years old. And then there's Jax, and he is uh, turning 14 here soon, um, and he's my happy-go-lucky kind of easy, easy kid. And um, and another um, uh, memory came up, and he and it said that he grabbed the pickle jar out of the refrigerator, and he said, "Hey, mom." these pickles must be Christians. I was like, oh yeah, why would you say that? And uh, he said, because they're Colossians. <laughs> Not Clausens. I'm like, oh. all right. And then um, my daughter, she's uh, four, 11 years old, and she is um, just the decoration of my life. And I would pick her as my friend if she wasn't my daughter. Uh, we do a lot of fun things together. We, um, we box together and roller skate and water slide together. And um, she knows her giftings um, that the Lord has given her, and she uses them to glorify the Lord and to edify others. And so um, my kids, like, just this, and this is just a snapshot, right? <laughs> just snapshots um, into their lives. And yet, can I say all of them are walking with the Lord and are those, those right now? No. But God, I see, is even using Facebook memories to remind me that they know Jesus. They know Jesus. And so uh, I was just thinking of Refresh and just how even those uh, memories are refreshing me. They bring rest to my soul because at night between like two and four, I'm like, ah, you know, you know, can, let them walk more with you and be more obedient and hear from you. And, you know, it just makes me weary. But, um, but the Lord is still just whispering to me, you know, I've got it. I've got it. You keep praying. I've got this. So, um, so today, the theme verse, I get to uh, bring to you the first half, and it's um, in the version I'm using is, for I will satisfy the weary soul. And as I was preparing, I was looking, like Michelle said, just all, at all the different um, versions that are out there. That's Jeremiah 31, 25, if you're not already there. Um, some, here are some of the versions that are out there. To refresh the weary, to refresh tired bodies to satisfy the weary soul. Some versions say, say to fully satisfy the weary soul. And I love that when God does something, he does it completely. He does it fully 100%. He doesn't just say, well, you know, here's just a little bit of rest for you or a little bit of refreshment. He does things completely. Um, 
I know with all of you ladies, I know that you all must wear several different hats. Uh, whether it be in your home, in church, and uh, your kids' schools, and uh, your neighborhood, you wear so many hats, and um, that can get wearisome. All the demands and the expectations that are placed on you, you know what they are. I, I don't know if they're all at all realistic, but you know, sometimes we put them on ourselves as well, and we try to lift up to them, and that is tiresome. How many of you have small children? I know you guys do. Okay, small children, Crazyville. I I look back and, uh, you know, teens are hard, but I was out of my mind when I had small kids. I was not working with a full deck. I was always tired. I always needed refreshment. Always. So um, that is tough work. Um, How many of you work with family? Oh, oh, see, they're slowly going. Okay, working with family can be tiresome. It's tough work. You know, it's hard to draw the line between business and family. And then you, then you go home, and it's hard to, you know, to separate the two as well. So it's, it's tough. It's hard on your head and your heart and on your body, and um, it's, it's tough. Um, many of you can be dealing with injury and sickness in your home, in your families. Um, you can be experiencing a chain of no's from the Lord. We will be getting into that soon. Um, And it feels like wave after wave after wave of difficult times, whether it be in your family or at your church, you're just like hit by different different trials and, um, and stuff. And, and I was just thinking of at the beach, just when you're like treading water and you get hit by a wave and then you're trying to breathe and one hits you again, it's, it's like, you're going to drown and you feel a little bit underwater. Um, as I was studying the word, uh, weary, one of the, um, I used a thesaurus, and in the thesaurus, I know, Patty, <laughs> I like all my books, and, um, and one of the words in the thesaurus is, I can't believe I'm saying it correctly, um, <laughs> is disenchanted, and so some of you may have come here disenchanted. I know when I uh, married my husband, I uh, married into the coolest family ever, and and started in ministry, and I just was, like, so enchanted with everything. Like, the places we would go, the things I saw God do, and the, the um, deliverance and healing and forgiveness and just radical things. It was like honeymoon stage for me. And over the years, yes, my God is still doing all of that, every single last drop. But also, I'm seeing the reality of ministry and um, and honeymoon is over, and 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 so many of you maybe have come just a little disenchanted of the whole thing, and you're just like it's like more hard knocks now, um, and so the very thing that you know when I when I went into ministry, I felt like all right, I'm going to be like this world changer and this min- and now ministry, and I'm here to like have influence, and I know that that is absolutely the case. We have influence over people, but at the same time now, God is using the very ministry to work as a tool in your own life, you know, and it's like uh, sanding you down and cutting you and pruning you, and it's, you know, just uncomfortable, and it's, it, it's tiresome. So um, 
So I know that, so when I was putting this message together, I was thinking of all that. Um, And so a little bit about our story um, is that in June of 2016, uh, the baton was passed to my husband to shepherd over Horizon Christian Fellowship from his dad. Until then, we were serving under Mike and Sandy McIntosh for um, a long time, a decade plus, uh, and we were there to lift up their arms and to um, do whatever they wanted us to do, and uh, to love, love, love the people. And uh, it was our joy, and I find 100% pleasure and enjoyment in doing so. Um, And so when we became head pastor of, um, when he became the head pastor of the church, um, you know, that whole, it was like a whole new, like, like Michelle said, like, you don't know until you know. And, um, and so it's like the buck stops here and the, the greater responsibility and that heavier, um, burden on his shoulders, uh, we also take part in that as well. And I have definitely felt a, a shift in all of that. Um, when we uh, when we first took over, um, it felt as though the ceiling had lifted, and I felt like, oh, like I could spread my wings, and we can like have freedom to have vision, have freedom to dream. Uh, before that, that was not my place. You know, I, I had all these thoughts. You know, but like, it, like it's not. <laughs> And we take those captive, right? And then, um, and then, but now it's like um, the, that was our role is to hear from the Lord and then have the freedom to carry it all out. And, uh, and that was just a cool, uncomfortable, scare, exciting, scary um, feeling. And, uh, and, we couldn't have been surrounded by a better group of people. Like I said, we've been serving around these these people, serving these people for over a decade, and um, some of them, you know, have watched my husband grow up from diapers to you know who he is now. And I just felt like they are our biggest fans. They wanted us to succeed, and they're like, it's just our family. And so we couldn't have asked for a better situation, a more smoother um, transition. Uh, we had a school, um, preschool through high school on the same campus, and there was ministry happening. I mean, kids were being saved, and along with then their families coming, and there was just ministry happening all day long, every day, and then every night with the church being there as well uh, with different ministries and stuff. And so um, it was really kind of exciting. Um, and but along with that baton being handed, we were also handed, you know, the, the reality of complaints, tough situations, making tough decisions, bills, staff, zoning, permits, all this city stuff that, you know, no one really wants to know, but you have to. Um, and also the land or the, the property that was about 20 acres of, of land uh, was owned by the school district. And the school district had sold our property to um, another high school, to kick off a high school, to put a high school there. And I'm still a little bitter about it. But, um, and so it just, so weird. But um, 
Anyway, so that was was handed to us as well. And so um, at that point when the baton was passed, it was going to be two more years until our lease was up and we had to be off the campus. And so, you know, here we are, we're like learning to fly, but then we're like, oh no, what, what are we going to land? You know, because we, we, our nest was gonna, is going away. And, um, and it's interesting that a year ago today um, was the first time I ever came to this luncheon. And, um, and it was a week ago today that we had, or a week ago, um, a year ago, a week ago, does that make sense? Um, a year ago, a week ago, um, we uh, had to announce to our families um, that we had to close the school down because uh, God did not provide a place for us to move over onto. Um, and so we were really like living out this fear and uh, we had to close the school down. Um, I remember Philip had to lay off 80 people in one day and it was the hardest day of his, probably his whole career um, so far. Um, some of these uh, teachers had been teaching at our school for 25 years. Um, some of them were his own teacher. Um, when he was in high school, and it was heartbreaking. These are people he loved, and he and he was just worried at the fact that maybe you know that he wants to provide for them. He was worried that they wouldn't have a job or find anything, you know. And he, you know that's what we do. We put the burdens on our shoulders, and um, yet it is definitely the Lord's. But it was a really tough day. With that, we also had to find a new church location, right? And so. Our family alone, I mean, this is just a snapshot into the whole, all, all of our families at Horizon. So we had to find um, a new church location. I, I have three kids. Um, it was high school, junior high, and elementary. They had to find all new schools, you know, and at that point, do they go to Christian school, public school, homeschool? Like, mm, mm-mm. And, and it was, like, devastating for me, personally, uh, I was thinking of all of our ministries, like what would that look like? Um, you know, we, all of the ministries and all the things that people have become reliant on, um, whether it be, you know, our, um, all the different, you, you know, all the ministries, you know, I just, you just start worrying for people, you know? And um, anyway, um, it just was a very, it was a, a fear of mine, and we were walking through this. Um, uh, when we came here, um, we had experienced uh, a few of even just the pastors that were on staff had to, well, they felt called to leave us and go get jobs down the street. And in my opinion, because I'm my husband's biggest fan, I'm like, this is the time he needs you the most. This is the time he needs you to hold up his arms and to encourage him that this is, that, that our God is a God is a, is a refuge and he's strong and he hears you. And, um, and that's not what he, he felt from a few of them. Um, and so, uh, when I came here, I was like super afraid. Uh, Michelle asked me to be on a panel and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't even know what's coming, you know? And I, and, um, and so I was, I was, doubtful. I was depressed. I was devastated. I was mad. 
Um, I was mad at people, and I was mad at God. Um, but I knew that God wanted me here, and by his grace, no one asked crazy questions. <laughs> I, I had the right answer to the one question that was asked to me, so I don't know, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> so, um, so, so it's been a year, and it's amazing what, a we, a, what one year can, can do in a person's life. And so, um, for, so for over this year, God has given me a few nuggets, and that's what I'm going to share with you this morning. And so the first one is... Don't isolate. If you're feeling like this, uh, that you need to be refreshed, that you are weary, that you are tired, that you are disenchanted, um, don't isolate. I know for myself, um, I tend to isolate. I live 35 miles from my church. So conveniently, I can, you know, I'm like, oh, I got to go home you know, or, and, and I, I can isolate in my house or isolate down in my, it, where I live and, and just be, you know, unavailable. And, um, and, and yes, I, there was re, you know, there's reason because I don't have the right answers. And I, you know, and I felt like I had faith until I didn't, <laughs> I had faith. We can do it. God's going to answer. It's, he's, he's dependable. He won't leave us in the street until I felt like he did. I felt like he got it wrong. Like and I had nothing good, nothing encouraging to tell anyone, so I isolated. And so um, I hid out in my house. And, uh, and I'll tell you, there is no refreshment there. You might, be, um, you might be thinking you're in a safe spot. But I'll tell you what, this rest that we need, this refreshment that we need, that rest that is found in God... It is not there because it is not where God wanted me. So he's not going to prosper me there either. So, um, so um, instead of isolating, we need to be obedient. And I know Michelle hit this. It's so interesting when you have several, like different speakers, our, our message is God's knitting our hearts together. It's good. So, um, but we need to uh, be obedient and to continue to show up and do what he wants us to do. We need to um, be obedient in the walk that God has you on. We need to be obedient in the position that he has us in. Um, I didn't want to come here last year out of fear because I might say something wrong, because it does not fit the mold and someone might hear my real, real feelings. And, um, and, uh, and I'm learning that it's okay. It's okay, because that's when people say, I totally get you. I, I needed to hear that. I mean, because like it's already mentioned, we are not perfect, but we need to remember and remind people we're not perfect. And so we can be unperfect together, but not revel in it, but un- have an understanding of that. Um, and I'll tell you what... Uh, God also, that obedience, instead of isolating, he wanted me to tell people. Tell, tell someone. Um, obviously, first of all, pour it out to the Lord. Uh, I, I became so annoyed with the same prayer request forever and ever and a day that I, I was like, I'm not going to pray about this anymore. I'm done with it. I'm going to pray for something else. And so I, I stopped pre- pouring my, my my heart out. I'm like, God already knows. But the thing is, is that it's helping my heart being emptied out. And when I stopped doing that, it was like getting stuck up, like full of, 
spiritual cholesterol, and it can't, you know, just let it go out. Um, and not only pouring your heart out to the Lord, he, he wants us to pour out with a person. I mean, that's why he's given us the body of Christ. And so if that, you need to find a safe person. Find a safe person that you could pour your heart out without judgment, without being critical, someone that can listen without judging you, um, and knows that you are still saved with no matter what. No matter what. Okay. And I was thinking because David did. Um, David reminded me that, I mean, God reminded me that David, he poured his heart out before the Lord. And when he was on the run from Saul, who wanted to kill him, not just a church, you know, not being a property not given or whatever else that we might be be dealing with, um, Saul was the king and was using all of his resources to go after David to kill him. And he was on the run. And if there be anybody who was tired I'm sure it would be David. And during that time, he poured his heart out before the Lord. And many of the Psalms were written then. And they all, a lot of them start out with like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? You, you have forsaken me. I am here alone. Get, go kill my enemies. Chop them up into little pieces and scatter them. There is one that says that. And I mean, just outrageous things that is coming out of this heart, right? Because we are outrageous. All this crazy stuff. But more often than not, it, is, it ends with praise and thanksgiving, complete submission to whatever his Lord has for him. There's something supernatural that happens as we pour our hearts out before the Lord. And um, there's this supernatural refreshment, and restoration or rest for our souls that happens when we pour it out. And we cannot do it when we are isolated and all alone, apart from God. Okay, so that's nugget number one. Nugget number two is when the answer is no. And, uh, and not when the answer is no. Oh, no, you can't have that. Um, oh, um, you, you know, that's not a good time or whatever. But like when the answer's no, like a hundred times in a row. And I'm talking no's that are about good things, things that are, that are godly we should be praying for, for people for our, that, are, are, um, that are sick, that are on death's door, people that, um, that need to be delivered. I mean, these are like good solid prayer requests. And just when you receive no after no after no, it gets tiresome. And you start doubting yourself. Like, am I asking amiss? Like, what's wrong? Am I not asking according to his will? What's going on? And it just, um, for me, it was getting so um, tiresome for two years, well, three, really, but for two active years with Philip heading up the search, we were searching for property. I mean, it, first, you know, at first we had all these, you know, prerequisites, and then the prerequisites get smaller and smaller, and you're like scrambling as D-Day starts coming closer and closer, and every time it was no, whether it be we don't want to sell to a church, or it's not zoned for a church, or it's, you know, all the, whatever it might be, it was just these no's, and with every no, um, it got harder and harder. Um, if you would, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 12.
2 Corinthians 12, um, Paul starts out talking, sharing his vision of um, the third heaven and that he's not going to boast about it. And, um, and so we're going to pick it up in verse 7. It says, uh, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Uh, And so here... Paul is praying something, and it's like a a good prayer request, you know? He wasn't saying for new shoes or whatever. He's like, Lord, take this this thorn from me. This was his, the prayer of his heart. And, and it wasn't this thorn a, just a little irritant. This thorn is um, said to have been a torment, a torment to him. Some people think it was a, like a physical infirmity, some, an ailment of some sort, um, or maybe even a person that was in his life was just tormenting him. Um, how many of you saw the Apostle Paul, that movie? Okay, I saw it. And uh, in, the, in the movie, it depicted this thorn in his flesh to be um, flashbacks um, to when he persecuted the church. And it would just torment him at night. And I just thought, huh, that's interesting. So just, we don't know what the, the thorn in his flesh was. And it, and, but we do know it was tormenting him. And so he would pray about it. You know, that's all we can do is pray about these things that torment us or that cause us um, to be tired and that are painful and that are storms in our lives. And, um, but yet, here's the thing. God said no to him three times. No, no. No. Um, and I'm sure that he was tired, and I'm sure he was asking why. You know, like, this stinks. What is it? And, I, and you know that when you pray those things, and you can, you can see your will, like, pan out with all of its fruit, you know, and it can glorify the Lord. And if you take this away, I can go to all these different places, and so can your word. And, you know, and like, you, like, like was said, you, you lose sight of God's will and God's, the, God's perspective, and you only see yours. And so, um, but with God's nose, God does explain to him and says that um, my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so, um, so God's grace is sufficient. It is enough. He knows. And I think that I think sometimes the pain that I feel when I hear the no, 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 it's like I I feel as though I think he forgot. Like that, I. I think that's what hurts so much is that sometimes I feel like he's like he doesn't understand the depth of just the frustration and the hurt um, that I'm going through. But he's but the thing is, he sees us and he knows us and his grace is sufficient to cover us all completely again, 100 percent. Um, and then his power um, is made perfect in weakness. Our, I mean, his, not his weakness. His, whose weakness is he talking about? Ours. It's our weakness that his power is made perfect. And then, um, and then it says, for, my, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
And so I get this, like I get it in my head and I get it now that it, in hindsight, I get it, like I got it. But in the moment, it's like, but it hurts so bad. It's like overwhelming to think, you know, oh, God's grace is sufficient. You know, it's super difficult. Um, and uh, I found this quote from Charles Spurgeon says, God can do nothing for me unless, oh, until I recognize the limits of what is humanly possible, allowing him to do the impossible. And so it's true that God can't do anything for me unless I know I can't. And then he steps in and he can. And he is ever faithful to us to show us that we can't in such the gentle way. Um, and, and it's not every day that he does that. But I think that throughout our whole faith walk, he is going to ever be faithful to show us that we can't. And I feel like maybe the older we get and the more seasoned we get in the Lord, that those revelations get harder and harder when he does show us that um, we can't. Um, it's like uh, when you're at the gym. Do you go to the gym? <laughs> I know some of you do. Okay. So like when you're going to the gym and you are lifting and you put your, your, your weight on and then you're like doing it and then you put more weight and you do some more, but not quite as many as you did before because it's too heavy. And so then you put more and more and then you will reach eventually a weight that that bar is not moving. You're like, oh, not even close, not even close. And so, but it's, it's, it benefits me to know that I can with this weight, but not with this weight yet. Yet, And you know what? I'll take that weight off and I will try it later as I work my way up and I will get stronger and stronger. Um, I love gym analogies. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. The next nugget that, um, that the Lord showed me is um, very uh, close to what Chuck, Miss, Chuck Smith said. Um, don't give up. Don't give up. It's so simple, but just don't give up. Um, it's too soon to quit. Don't throw in the towel. Um, don't forsake the gathering of the fellowship. Um, I feel like this is different than the isolation because we can isolate and still be totally in ministry. It's the, you know, or kind of the mask of being in ministry, but being isolated. Um, but don't quit the ministry. Don't quit. Um, you, I feel like those that quit or that quit for five days, (laughs) sometimes I've done that, but, (laughs) um, (laughs) that's it. Um, I might not be doing ministry at that point of when I quit. Um, but there's no rest found there. There's no rest because it's like here, you know, what, what we know we should be doing. Our gifts and callings are irrevocable. That irrevocable means they're indelible, like Sharpie on the wall with those young kids. It's like you can't change it. God has given you your gifts and your callings, and, and you can't change them until he says, all right, you're done. Let's, let's give you a new, a new mission, some new orders. And he will do that eventually at some point. Um, 
Okay, where am I? Okay. Oh, so just keep at it. Um, I was thinking about keeping at it is our doing good, right? It's like our works behind our faith. It is evidence of our faith. You keep showing up. It's evidence of your faith. And, um, and we see left and right as ministry leaders um, that people, when they people quit, and it was the end of their faith in going forward in that calling. And you see it all the time. And we, and we see potential. We can see, like, if you stayed, if you just stayed up and over the hump, you know, if we just pushed through together, you know, we can see that. But when, when you quit, it's the end of the faith, and your faith in that, you don't lose your salvation. But, you know, you, you, you know the, it's, it's, there's no f- evidence of your faith in quitting. If you would, turn in your Bibles to James 1. <clears throat> James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that, you're, that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And I love that, uh, that this verse speaks of patience, steadfastness, and perseverance. Um, and I think that that is just uh, the bottom line of don't quit. Don't, don't stop. Just persevere. Keep going. Um, I think for me, it became really tough to keep going when I wanted to quit um, because I, didn't, I lost sight of the joy that was before me to keep going. And, um, and that's tough. And so that's why the Lord would love for us to surround each other with, um, with godly counsel and people that will say, like, keep going. Don't give up. Like, we are in it together. Um, and I know that the Lord will meet us if we stay faithful, if we press on. Uh, there, the Lord will meet us. Um, all of it, all of the tough time, all of the the. the toil and labor and um, all of it, it's for something. It's not for nothing. God is not a wasteful God. There isn't anything you do or say or tear that shed that is forgotten and just gone and not um, seen. Nothing is overlooked with the Lord. And he uses all things, all things. Um, It goes on to say in uh, verse 12, of chapter 1 of James. Where am I? James is over here. Okay, it says, uh, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And for me, that word remain spoke volumes to me. As uh, those... Uh, last few years as we were trying to find a place for Horizon to land. Um, Students, families, staff, pastors were jumping ship. And they were, um, you know, they like panic, panic. And they were, and it it hurt. And, um, which can be tiresome as well. Uh, People that you were like, of all the people, like I thought that you would remain, like, um, but 
they were jumping ship. And, and so here we need to remain in the boat. Remain. Don't jump ship. Um, be steadfast. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Um, usually when it's crazy, that's where God's working. When there's change, when there's a hustle and bustle, like that, I mean, that's where God's will is. It's there. It's right there. And, and for some reason, I tried desperately to pray it out of my life. And the Lord is like, hello, like, this is what I've brought into your life to do the work that I want to do in you. And um, so I encourage you to stay the course. Don't detour from the course. Don't stop. Don't quit. The next nugget is let God work. As you are pressing on in your uh, ministry, in all of your callings that you have, even if it is a tough time, allow, give God some space, some time to work. And um, he has never been too late, right? He, his track record is perfect, and um, he's always been right on time. And you may feel like, no, no, no. I felt like that a year ago. I felt like, oh, no, I think you got it wrong. Like, in the depth of my soul, I felt that. Um, he, ha- he is right on time. Uh, so if you would... Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter. Peter here is exhorting the elders to shepherd the church. Just keep going and shepherd the church. And so that is my exhortation to you. Just keep loving the people. Love them. In 1 Peter 5... Verse 6 through 10, we will read. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time, in proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Even though you might not feel it, think it, or believe it in the moment, he does. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And I was thinking of that, that lion, um, you know, on the, like, Nat Geo, you know, you always watch Africa and um, the lions and how they get their prey, and they always go after the stragglers, right? The ones that are tired, the ones that are like, oh, I can't keep up with those moms, like, it's the baby, or, you know, it's just awful. But, but like, be on guard. He is... Like a, roar, uh, like a lion wanting to pounce and to devour those that are, that are, an, um, that are straggling. And we don't want to be that. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So nothing's new under the sun, right? We, are all, we all break the same. All, we, you know, the things that are happening in your life may happen next to the person or already did. You know, we all share and bear one another's burdens. Verse 10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And so here, um, Peter is aware 
that those elders he is exhorting to continue to shepherd, um, he is quite aware that they will suffer or that they are suffering all these various things. Um, and he knows that, um, that the Lord wants to work in their lives, but keep going. And, uh, and so the focus for me of that verse was that, um, that God himself will do these things. I love that, that God, that he himself restores. And so if you, um, if you find yourself doubtful, I think what we need is a good shot of Jesus. We need to remember who our first love is and what he's capable of, what he has saved us from, what he has delivered people, what we have seen and heard with our own eyes, the things that he's done Surely he can do it in our own life, in our own very current situation. Don't exclude yourself from the things that God wants to do, but he's going to do it in his timing. We can't hurry him up. And so be sure, trust him. He will bring you that restoration that we need so desperately, that refreshment. That word restore means to bring back to health, vigor, to the former condition. And I love that, um, that he himself does that. Uh, it says that he will confirm us. That word confirm means to acknowledge with definite assurance to make valid. So many times I felt like, what is this all anyway for? Like, I don't even know if this is even right, what I'm doing. You know, you start questioning everything. He will confirm you himself. Um, he also will strengthen you, you know, in the places where we feel weak. Um, the things we feel weak at doing it might, you might feel strong doing one thing, but maybe in other areas you feel weak. Um, and then lastly, he will establish you and he will bring, and that means to bring into being on firm or stable foundation. And so he will establish us. I mean, I feel like oftentimes that um, I'm on sinking sand and I am like, woo, like I, I don't even have a place to stand firm. And, and uh, my faith itself a year ago was being shooken. Like it was... It was a crazy part of my life. And, um, but now I know that if we, we give him space, he himself will come in at his timing and do all of these things. It is a promise. It is a promise. And he has always kept his promise. I thought rest and refreshment was going to come, um, come in the package of a new property about 20 acres big that can hold an elementary, junior high, and high school, and a church, and we can continue to do all the things that we were doing and not skip a beat, and it would just be, you know, and, um, and uh, that wasn't the case. My, it, that wasn't what the Lord's uh, plan for me. Rest came simply in just submitting to him. And I wish there was some other way of, like, swallowing that pill but it, it, there is nothing it, it just you need to submit submit to whatever it is um that he has for you in your life i remember um when i was pregnant with my second pregnancy i went on bed rest for two months because i was uh, going into uh, preterm labor and i did um a month in my home and then a month in the hospital and the reason for that is because i wasn't a very good bed rester i um I was. I started out on the couch, and uh, but my husband would find me in the yard picking roses. 
um, dusting or, you know, just doing things I would never do because I was in the home just staring at the walls. And, um, and so it wasn't going very well for my pregnancy. And so they put me in the hospital for a month. And so, um, I found that when I submitted to the plan of bed rest, that's when I received all the benefits from the plan. Right. And, uh, and there's freedom in it. There is this, once I submitted to it, there was, you know, the Lord had me doing a lot of other things, just laying there, and I would have missed out um, on that. Um, and so it's the same thing with us. We can kick and kick and kick and scream and di- dig our, our feet, our heels in and, and not want to do what he wants us to do or sit in for however long it is that he wants you to sit there in it. Um, but when we submit to it, um, to him and his will, um, the, the benefits from it, we start reaping that restoration. Um, and so here are some of the benefits so, uh, that we experienced in, in my personal story is that, um, yes, his will was to close the school. And yes, it sounds so mean. And I still would have loved to have it open. Um, but he closed the school and moves, moved us off of this campus that we were there for 35 years plus. Um, but in doing so, it changed the scope of our search, right? It, it, so the scope, it was, now, now we were looking for this. We were actually really looking for somewhere to be on a Sunday, every Sunday. So um, we, are, we were looking for a venue, and we ended up at a hotel. And that's where we are and have been since. And we have church on Sundays. And no, we did not want to be a Sunday-only church, right? We wanted to have ministries and um, things to meet people's needs and, and to have fun and flourish with other families. And, um, but it was all in God's timing. So our first, our priorities started falling into place, and, and the first priority was to have church on Sundays, and so, um, and so that's what we had been doing. And so um, the church, or the, um, the hotel, um, they do all of our setup for us. Before, we were on a high school campus, and our church, our, our church Sunday, Sunday church was in the, um, the gymnasium. And so for like eight hours on every Saturday, crew would have to come in and set up the stage and the, um, all the chairs and every Saturday this for 30 something years has happened. And, and, um, I was thinking if anything is refreshing for those people that had to do it, it's that the hotel does it. The hotel vacuums up after all those kids in the ballrooms that we take up. Um, they, they even put little like ice water in cups at every single, um, you know, entryway and the AC. It's like, you know, it's like having a landlord that is really nice. And, um, and it has been refreshing. It's been refreshing. Um, we, uh, oh, we, I was, I work in the infant room, um, every one, once a month. And, um, and there were outside of the infant door. Um, I saw a, a mom and a and a dad, and the mom had was had a full headdress on, full covering. And I don't know if Muslim or where she was from or whatever, but her two kids came into the uh, infant room, and we got to play with them. It was on Mother's Day, and um, come to find out, they were just hotel guests, and they were like, "It looks like your kids are having so much fun, right?" And um, 
And so they checked their curls in, and we played with them. And uh, and sure enough, Philip was downloading all the photos for the photo booth. And sure enough, that family was there with the headdress and all, like, picked them out. And so you're just praying for them. Like, I'm hoping they... And they were there. They, they were all there just for that day, and they left. So it's interesting what God does. You know, if we just submit to his plan. God is working and he is refreshing as he's working it out. Um, we shut down all of our daily ministries, you know, going from one campus to no campus. Uh, but then God provided uh, some offices for us. And so when Philip brought me to the offices, um, you know, I was thinking little cubicles or whatever. Well, there were office built, office, um, little offices, but then there was an auditorium uh, that could hold 350 people, and four classrooms that could hold up to about 80 people um, each, and uh, and so just like the wheel started turning, and we're like, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly more than ever I could ever ask or imagine. Like I was so bummed in my prayer life anyway. I didn't even pray for that, but it, God gave it to me anyway, right? Because that's He's our Dad. He loves us. Um, and so um, we prayed and asked, okay, God, now that you've given us this, what do you want us to do with it? Because these, this is what our, last, our, what our schedule was when we closed it down. Now what do you want the new schedule to be? And we have come into the place where we don't want to do ministry because the same ministry because that's the way it's just been done all these years. We want to be right in the will of God to know what is it that you want to do. And so he um, moved in our hearts to start midweek back up. We, um, we meet at um, the offices, uh, and we have our women's ministry, men's ministry, youth group, and children's ministry all in one night. And so, uh, and we're all going through the same thing every single, uh, not every single week, every other week. And the reason being is because it's not zoned for a church, our office buildings. It's not zoned for a church. So Philip thought that, that to bless the neighbors, we wouldn't be there every Tuesday night, you know, till all hours of the night, um, that it should be every other week. And we're like, oh, let's give it a try. And you know what? It has brought refreshment, just even going down to every other week. Um, and, and, you know, we would be going at it every week if we were, if it was the other way around. And, and so refreshment has come in all these, um, interesting and exciting ways that, um, you just feel so humbled, you know, and, uh, so, oh, and so our kids, we ended up putting our kids into a Christian school, um, I was driving them, or Philip and I both were driving them 35 miles to, to school in the morning, an hour there, an hour back. And um, the Lord provided a Christian um, school three miles from my house, uh, and they all are at one school. And we got back about 40 hours a week, or 40 hours a, um, a month, in, and that's refreshing, right? Um, they are working with us financially, um, and I just... I just feel like so, so blessed to, um, when we submit to the Lord, then we can feel and see actually his plan and the, and the way we are, we're going to benefit from it, what his actually, his plan is. Um, Charles Spurgeon, I found this, that, um, crisis will reveal, uh, that we can go to the point of breaking yet without breaking our confidence in him. And I'll tell you, a year ago, my confidence in him was broken. 
But just like that weight, I now, I think, I'm thinking, like, I have that much more now confidence in my Lord. I can trust him more because he saw me through that. And so, you know, it's just one, we're just getting stronger in our faith, you know, as we, um, as we get older and older in Christ. Um, the eye, in the eye of the hurricane, I found my breaking point. Um, but my lack of confidence in God does not detour my God's faithfulness, right? He is faithful even when we're broken, when we fail, because we will um, in front of people or not in front of people, we're going to fail. And I think that that is what the Lord is so faithful to remind us that we are going to fail, but he will not. But my confidence in him is now stronger than ever before. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness toward us and your love, Lord, and uh, faithfulness to, um, to help us grow, God. Um, and sometimes there's growing pains with that, Lord. And I was just thinking about um, my mom and how she taught all my kids how to swim by throwing them in. And, uh, and then her jumping in when she knew she needed to to save them, God. And, and Lord, um, sometimes you do that with us, God. You never take your eye off of us, though, God. And you know, you know the point of breaking And sometimes you let us get there, God, just to reveal who we are to ourselves because you already know who we are. And yet that whole time you're waiting there with with the um, emergency net, waiting to catch us. Lord, I just pray we would learn to trust you more, God. Um, Trust you in, um, in our obedience. Trust you in our love for you. Trust you in our love for others. God, when we trust you and we live completely abandonedly in your will, God, we can be world changers. And so, Father, I ask that if anybody here is feeling weary and tired, God, I ask that you would reach down from heaven, Father, and just lavish your love on them, God. And I pray that you would open their hearts and their minds to the exact words that you want them to know and feel and experience and to take on into themselves and live it out, God. Um, We thank you so much for your love, Lord, and that you are mindful even of us, God. In Jesus' name, amen.